the bell rang. A sharp, metallic sound that silenced every conversation in the room as it rang once, twice, thrice, and was followed by a humming vibration that hung in the air like a promise unspoken. I had always found it beautiful, in a melancholic sort of way. To me, it said, it's time to say goodnight. My patrons did not feel the same way. To them, the bell meant they had only this final chance to buy a drink before they had to go home, or to the gutter, or to a bed of a lover. If I had found humans and vampires to have one thing in common, it was that neither liked to be told that there would be no more drinking that night. The hubbub broke the almost silence before the bell grew perfectly still, and I found myself filling my lungs with air, only to let it out in a sigh. Tonight, I wished nothing but the quiet. Yet I knew it would be at least an hour before I had completely emptied the waxing candle of its final client. They would nurse their last drink like it was their firstborn, and I would count the minutes before I could begin to clean up after them and take inventory for tomorrow. As sweaty bodies pressed in on the bar, I pretended not to notice the rancid smell of flesh marinated in beverages for days upon days. It stung my nostrils, burnt like a mint with none of its freshness, and I painted a smile upon my lips to hide the grimace it wished to make. Alas, today I could not bring myself to laugh at their jokes. While it could be seen as part of my job, they were as bad as their smell, and barely ever changed from day to day. Uh, don't look so sad, Talaman. We'll be back tomorrow. Eh, chin up, girl. You're doing important work here. Hey, maybe you should have a drink yourself. Join in on the celebrations. I was smiling, was I not? Did I truly look so forlorn that I had to stand here and bathe in the sympathy of these drunks? I was still human enough to recognize the feeling in my stomach as nausea. And vampire enough to know it was all in my head, and not actually in my gut. Still, it's not a bartender's lot to bring misery, so I offer them empty platitudes and promises in return. Can't wait until then. Know where I'd rather be. Maybe next time. Not that there would ever be a next drink for me, would it? At least not of liquor, but these men and women were too drunk to remember tomorrow that they had asked. Or maybe they just didn't care enough to. As the final drink left my hand, a gin and tonic to someone who must have been new to the coal straight, I set to cleaning the bar. Motions mechanical after years of performing the same task again and again. Sometimes I wished scrubbing beer stains from the dark oak still took some mental effort out of me, because if it were, it left me with too much time to remember. A dark room, a slow drip of liquid that I had thought to be water, but realized later was blood. Death and rebirth as we crawled through the space so tight it crushed the air out of my lungs, blue hair and madness and fire. Need a hand? Her voice hit me like a ray of sunshine, instantly swatting the image of darkness aside as I looked up. Grace was clad in something that looked like a mix between a dress and an overall that left many of her tattoos naked to the eye, 
yet no physical description would ever do her justice. She stood there like a force of nature, like a hurricane or an earthquake, yet perfectly still. Like her power came not from the fact that she moved, but that she didn't. Nothing described Grace better than to say that she was a person utterly and completely comfortable in her own skin. The sensation of a smile that was completely genuine felt awkward on my face, like another woman's lips curled rather than my own. I said yes before I thought better of it, and Grace left me no time to second-guess myself before she was off to help with the cleaning of the establishment. Inwardly, I recalibrated the time until closing from a bit over an hour to something closer to three. Nothing ever went quicker or more efficient with Grace's help. Already she was talking to some of my customers, which would keep them here longer, and when she set to helping, I knew she would misplace things or create a new mess as she created the first one or distracted me with some utter hippie talk. Yet even so, the sigh I let out expressed none of the annoyance that I couldn't bring myself to feel. While she was not a help physically, she more than made up for it in how she soothed my mind. The images of the dark room did not return as I cleaned up and closed the waxing candle, for I was much too occupied cleaning up the pandemonium left in Grace's wake, or too focused upon watching Grace to ensure that she created no further disturbances to my establishment. Why she thought every chair should have two glasses balanced on top of their backrest, I had no idea, even after she tried to explain it, but the nonsense had made me laugh, which seemed to make her happy which only quickened the laughter. As I had suspected, it took us, or rather me, nearly three hours to set the bar in order, yet time felt as if it moved at five times the speed than had I been alone. It was like some kind of spell, a spell which was broken as the door opened. We are closed, I said, though I was distracted by the sight before me. Grace had folded all my napkins, all of them, into roses, and I could not quite bring up the heart to unfold them. Yes, but not for me. It was a deep female voice, just a hint of a Russian accent. I felt a shiver pass along my spine, but my instincts suppressed them, instincts that whispered in my ear never to show weakness in front of another predator. Lowering the origami rose I had held in my hand, I allowed it to drift to the floor as I turned around to face the woman who had just entered the bar. She had taken a couple of steps into the room, and she wore a black trench coat that made her look like an action hero from the 90s. If only her hair had been black and straight rather than curled and blonde. Her lips wore a smile that spoke more of disdain than mirth. Nina, the name spilled from my mouth like a curse, and it was not far from it. Why now? Why tonight? How had she... But of course I'd gotten myself involved, had I not? Spoken a name I should not have said. Good on you, Talaman. Bleeding heart getting you into trouble again? Fucking Edgar. Not that it's his fault. We're just angry, Talaman. Focus on the threat. Marie, the multilingual monster used the French pronunciation of my name. 
the pretentious wanker. You were easy to find. How have you remained hidden all these years? But we will have plenty of time to talk about that later. Why don't you... Uh, hello. Both Nina and I spun to look at the bar, from behind which Grace peeked out. The sudden appearance of my past that made me forget about her company for a moment. Had she been scrubbing the floors? Nina's smile became cruel. Oh, you have a morsel. How delightful. She took a step forward, and before I knew what I was doing, I had put myself between Nina and the bar and Grace. In my hand was the switchblade I always kept in my pocket, blade out, gleaming in the dim light from my ceiling as I pointed it toward the chest of the blonde demon. Nina had stopped but the look she gave me was not one of fear or even surprise. It was all mirth and mockery in those blue orbs. I am better, she stated. I knew she was. She had always been. Put that thing down, or I will take you to him with its sheathed in your heart. It was not that I doubted her. Nina had never been one to carry out her threats, and now that she knew where I was... I had no illusion that I'd get away from her. But no one threatens my friends. No one threatens Grace. I had never made a conscious decision to attack. I just found myself sprung towards my old mentor, blade thrusting towards her. And then she was not there. I felt a force, like a truck hit me in the chest, ribs cracking around the point of impact as I was sent crashing into a table, splinters flying around me as it broke beneath me. There would be no hesitation now. I was on my feet, even as the dent Nina had made in my chest pushed outward, my body shrugging off the blunt trauma as it had been a cold shower, the perks of being a monster. My foe was grinning wild in unadulterated joy, having pulled out a dagger of her own while I had spun to my feet. Our eyes locked, and we engaged again. Our bodies may have been those of supernatural beasts, but both of us had been humans once. There was no thought or finesse in our fight, for our minds were too mortal to keep up with the speed with which we were moving, dagger cutting, knife lacerating, blood spilling, we could do nothing but surrender to the instincts that screamed in our ears to display our dominance over our rival, to lay them low before us and prove ourselves the better hunter. I saw it all in her eyes, just as she must have seen it in mine. Grace called something, but Nina and I had no focus for anything but one another. Yet we both knew there was only one outcome to this. Nina was a much older hand at knife fights than I, and significantly more age as a vampire to boot. Even as my blade occasionally scored a cut and a thrust into her arms and legs, she kept her core protected, and there was only one way this could end. In a blur, I found myself supine, the hand holding my switchblade trapped under Nina's knee as her hand, my throat, and her dagger pressed cold against the skin beneath my ribs. I hissed and snarled and bared my fangs at her, yet I knew that I had lost. Sorry, Marie. 
I promise to make it quick so we can have that talk afterwards, hmm? I wanted to hate her. I could not. No emotion could best the shame that welled up within me. If I could not even save my friends, what use did I possess? From seemingly nowhere, shards of glass filled my vision as a bottle exploded against Nina's shoulder and face, liquor and blood covering her as tiny shards pierced her skin, only for the wounds to instantly close. A human would have moved, either from the shock of the impact or the pain of the injuries. Nina only looked surprised, as, admittedly, was I, and we both turned our heads to look at the source of the throw. There stood Grace. My point of stillness in a world gone completely wrong, and she looked... Apologetic? I, uh, sorry about that, but you were hurting my friend, and... Well, none of you listened when I told you to stop. It, it isn't right, you know, hurting others like this. Her smile was strained, and not at all what I was used to seeing on her usually sunny face, seeing that stung my heart worse than any blade. So, if you could just let my friend go and leave, that'd be nice. I made a futile attempt to tell Grace to run. If she did, maybe I could keep Nina distracted, but the other vampire had not bucked an inch and held a firm grip on my airways. I could not sound a single word. Nina threw me a glance, her hair plastered to her face, dripping with spirits. You found a morsel with spunk, didn't you? Now, she sounded genuinely amused, and she looked up at Grace again. It was a good attempt, kid. But I think not. This time, Grace could not even pretend to smile. It was a grimace through and through. I was... Uh, afraid you'd say that. She reached into her pocket and pulled out a small piece of metal. My eyes went wide as I realized what it was, but so did Nina. With a click, Grace lit the lighter and held it before her, as if it was a cross. And Nina, the devil, a devil admittedly covered in a highly flammable liquid. Are you sure you, you, you wouldn't rather leave? Grace asked, hopefully. A hiss shot out from Nina's mouth and seemed to launch her off of me. And before I had a chance to register what was happening, she had thrown herself through the window and was setting off down the street. Grace's shoulders sagged as she slumped onto the floor, lighter dropping unlit from her hand as she drew an unsteady breath. <sighs> wow. She looked utterly spent, and I knew I had to go to her. Before I registered what was happening, or how much time had passed, I found that I had pulled myself to my knees and made my way over to her, sitting down beside her, back against the bar. I coaxed an arm around her, and then she had crawled into my lap, and I found myself in the tightest embrace I had ever experienced in my own life, maybe even my entire life. At some point, I'd begun to hug her back. I'm sorry I dragged you into this, I said, tears that my body could no longer produce 
feeling like they gathered into a ball inside my throat. I'm sorry you had to save me. It was a stupid thing to apologize for, yet shame still burned hotter inside me than any fire could. Somehow, Grace's smile was all the more radiant, with tears clouding her eyes. Don't be sorry. She put her forehead against mine like a cat headbutting its human. Saving friends is what friends do, isn't it? Those words were like a thunderbolt thrust into me. And I swear I could feel my heart take a single joyful beat. Yeah, I smiled. Really smiled. Saving friends is what friends do.